Well, grab a Bible, if you will, and turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And if you're just joining us, we've been in this series on the life of Moses, which has been absolutely uh, incredible. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I've really enjoyed it immensely. Uh, Today, I want to set the stage a little bit for today and the message for today, okay? Because there's some messages that kind of just hit you real kind of hard. And, uh, and this is a little bit of a different message. Uh, I think what you're going to find on this message is you're going to sit back and just reflect on God in a maybe a, a very meaningful way. Uh, I know that the deeper that I get into this lesson, uh, like I didn't know what to do like this morning as, as I was getting ready for it. I was really just sitting in a lazy boy chair and I was just sitting back like, God, this is incredible. This is amazing about who you are. And, and I think you're going to find it, it's one of those that's just going to lay in your lap today. And, and I, want to, I want you to just let it lay there because I think you're going, to, you're going to learn more about God. You're going to grow in your relationship with God. And I think it's going to give you things to, to think about and maybe things to reflect on. But I want to start it out by asking you to think about, for just a moment, think about a time in your life that was really difficult. Just reflect on that for a moment. Maybe it was a crisis. Maybe it was something that you went through, like, like when we moved here 14 years ago. Uh, those two years were two of the hardest years of my family's life. Uh, we couldn't sell the home back in Palatine, back in Chicago. And uh, the, you know, 2008, you know, the, the housing crash, we were going deep into debt just trying to live. And, uh, and it was two of the most difficult years. But there's some amazing things that came out of that. In fact, I think you're going to find that it's sometimes the reason why we're doing some of the things we're doing. Here would be an example of that. During that time frame when we had zero extra dollars and our, the van and our transmission just was shot. And I'll never forget the day I walked into church and Terry Moore happened to be here and um, saw this look on my face. He said, something's wrong. And uh, I said, yeah. I said, there is. And he goes, tell me about it. And I said, the, the transmission on my van just stopped. And I, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And boy, you know, there's some things in your life that just impact your life so deeply. And he said, you take that van over to all A's and I'll take care of the bill. And I just remember starting to cry because we didn't have the money. You wonder why we have an automotive garage in the backyard? You see, we go through crisis. We go through challenges. We go through times in our life that are really hard. And if you hang in there with God... Because oftentimes, this is when people abandon God and they're like, I'm not going to, if you're going to do this, I'm not going to follow you anymore. And they miss out on sometimes what's to come. And when you hang in there and you look back, you're like, oh my goodness, I had to go through that in order for this to happen. And so sometimes you'll go through it. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's small things. It's another garage story. I'll tell you real quick. So uh, our daughter and son-in-law came home yesterday. 
or on Friday, and we were in the garage working on a car, and, um, and there's one bolt, one lousy bolt I couldn't get off with the exhaust. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And, uh, and just then, Josh, one of our mechanics, came in. He never comes in on Saturday. Never. I mean, never. Showed up, and he's like, need some help? Yeah, I do. And, uh, and he worked with me and got it, the bolt out, and then when we were done, he goes, you know, I decided I really didn't want to be here anyways today, and, uh, and left. And I'm like, thank you, God. You sent him for one bolt. And we got the bolt out, we got the car fixed, all was good. You know, there's times that God puts you in a situation that's beyond you. And he has a reason, he has a purpose, or he can bring something good out of it. Oftentimes it has to do with this. Those times of crisis usually have to do with a time of loss. Maybe somebody that you loved died, you lost your job, you lost your family, whether divorce or death or circumstance. Maybe you lose your income, you lose your home, you lose your position, you lose your health, you lose your identity. Something happens and there's times of loss. It's during those times of greatest challenge, God is working oftentimes the hardest in our life. And so often we, we resist Him, we fight Him on it. And yet those are the times God is actually changing, doing something, forming, and you're going to see sometimes burning. We'll talk about that in a minute. Because God talks about it. And this is really, I'm just setting the stage for what God's about to talk about. And here's always the problem. God wants a closer relationship with us. But sin is always a challenge. It's even a challenge for God. Because it's like God hugging us and we're like porcupines or cactuses, you know. Sin just is, is hard. And so oftentimes what God's doing is like, like, all right, God already took the sin away, but we keep sinning, and so God's like, look, maybe you got to go through some challenges to like, like, get this stuff out of your life. Because you're holding on to things that you shouldn't be holding on to, or you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, and so God lets a crisis come, a challenge come, a hardship come, that kind of burns those, like a cactus, burns those needles off so that we can have a better relationship with God. That's what you're going to see today God did with the whole nation, the Israelites. All right, with all that said, let's look at Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4, the date, if I would give you a date, is kind of like uh, November the 1st, it's the 11th month, first day of the 40th year since they left Egypt. They're on the other side, they're on the east side of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to come across the river into this promised land that God gave them. And you can go back, in fact, I'm going to encourage you, go back and read Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3. We're looking at 4 today, 5 next week, 6 the next week. It'll get you kind of ready so that you can kind of say, all right, I get the context of what God's doing. Moses, after 40 years, is telling the Israelites, hey, there's some things God really wants me to tell you before he's going to die and before... Um, they go into the promised land. Moses is over 120 years old at this point. 
And um, so they're getting ready. So, all right, so chapter 4, verse 1. Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. All right, I just want to highlight a couple things. Did you catch? God says, follow them so that you might live. What kind of life do you want to live? God's commands give life. They don't subtract. They don't, sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to follow God because then I can't do whatever I want to do. I want the freedom to do whatever I want to do. And that's not freedom. That's not living. That's actually the opposite. It's almost like slavery. Whenever we do whatever we want to, we get ourselves in such trouble and we, and we veer so far from God that it's actually his laws. It's his commands. It's what he wants from us. It's that desire to love God, that desire to love your neighbor that keeps us like following God to do the right thing and it actually gives us life. It's kind of, the, it's kind of almost like a, a weird thing. Like when we have the laws of God, when we have what God wants, we can run within that box and live the way that God designed us. If we say I want to live outside of those things, do whatever I want to do, we actually lose our life the way that God designed. So he wants him to live, but then, did you catch this? Don't add to what I command you. Don't subtract from it. Boy, you might have been here about a month ago. We had a video that was so disturbing that somebody took the Bible with a marker, and they were just crossing off parts of the Bible. Maybe you remember that. Um, And I know some people said, that was very disturbing. You're right. But this is what we're watching today in our society, that people look at the Bible and they're like, well, you know what? I don't think God meant that. Cross it off. Well, you know, I kind of disagree with that. Cross it off. You know, well, well, the God that I serve, I think he wouldn't do that. So we cross that off. And what we do is we get down to like, okay, that's the God that I like. Well, we have a name for that today. It's called spirituality. See, spirituality is people trying to create their own God, whatever God they want to create. There's a difference between creating God as you want him to be or Christianity is looking the way that God told us who he is and we learn about who he is. So we're going to learn more about God today. All right, so verse 3. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor, The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. All right, now you can go back. This is from Numbers 25, if you want a reference. When they were east of the Jordan, a lot of the Israelite men had relations, intimate relations, with the Moabite women. And when they went to the Moabite women, had relationships with them, the Moabite women enticed the Israelites to go bow down to the gods, the Baal of Peor. Those are gods, not God, idols. And the Israelites were bowing down to these idols, the Baal of Peor. 
God was so angry with them. I mean, God had cared for them for these 40 years. Wanted a relationship with them. And then first chance, they all, you know, how many? 24,000 ran off and just abandoned God. Found women. Had relations. Bowed down to their idols. And God sent a plague and 24,000 of them died. That's why God said, God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord are still alive today. That's ultimately what God wants is for you and I today, all these thousands of years later, what does God want us to hold fast, hold on to God. No matter the circumstances, no matter what life brings you, hold on to God. All right, let's keep moving. We've got a lot to cover. See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded, commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. The same is true for us. You want to you be wise and have understanding? God just told you how to do it. It's the more time that you spend in the Bible, the more time that you spend with God, the more time you, you just grow closer in your relationship with God, the more wise and understanding you will be. That's, just, that's what he just said. Verse 7, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws as I'm setting before you today? The other nations will praise them. Why? Because they're wise, they're understanding, they can pray to God. Boy, we take that for granted. And God is near them. That's what he said. And they have this great body of laws and decrees. I mean... That's amazing. It's a lot. Think about what our country was founded on. People wanted to pursue their relationship with God and have a constitution that protected them so that they could do that. They could follow and they could seek out God. And the laws of the land were based upon God and His laws. Do some homework. Do some research in history and you'll find that everything about our constitution is based upon following God and following His laws. And that's why America became such a great nation because it was founded upon the whole principles of God and the laws of God and the Scriptures and how we're going to treat each other and pursue life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, all based on what God has for us. And so in, in so many ways, boy, our nation has followed that. But now look at what we're doing today. We're trying desperately to get away from all those things. And what's the impact on our nation? Okay, so now he's starting to talk to us very specifically. Only be careful, verse 9. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Those were all those things that they watched God do for 40 years, how God provided for them, loved them, cared for them, was present with them, pillar of fire, 
Um, the cloud during the day. God gave them manna. God gave them quail. God gave them everything they needed. Water coming out of a rock. And he was saying, don't forget what God has done. Look back on your own life. What has God done for you? Don't forget that. Because it has to do with your relationship with God. But not only that, he goes on. He says, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the mountain, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Okay, I want to keep going. One more paragraph. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and stars, all the heavenly ray, do not be enticed and to bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron-smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. Iron-smelting furnace. Maybe you knew what that is. I didn't know what it was. Like, what does that mean? What's an iron smelting furnace? So I looked it up. What it is really simply is you take iron ore and you get it hot. But it, it can't get hot enough with a fire. So you've got to add some things to it to make it so hot that all of the impurities burn off. And all you're left is a pure metal. This is where some reflection in your life might have to happen. For 400 years, they were in an iron smelting furnace. God was using the slavery. God was using the hardship. God was using the crisis, the problems. God was using all of this to do what? Burn away all the impurities. All those things that we rely on ourselves. All those things in our lives that cause us to run away from God. All those things in our life that cause us to go into sin. God uses crisis. God uses problems. God uses challenges. What is He doing? He's, he's if you will, stoking the fire 
and you're like, this is really hard, you're like, yeah. God's like, not done yet. Keep the heat up. And you're like, God, please stop it. And what you don't realize is God is using this for our benefit. I heard the story one time of a young boy who went to a blacksmith and he was watching the blacksmith do what we're talking about. And he asked the blacksmith, how do you know when it's done? And I'll never forget the response. He said, I can see myself in the metal. Then it's done. Do you understand the concept of what God does? He's putting us in the fire. He lets the crisis go. The challenges come. Let's them happen. And God's like, mm, I can't see myself in them yet. Keep the heat on. And we're begging for the heat to stop. God's like, can't see myself. Can't see myself. All of a sudden, God goes, now I can see myself in them. God's like, turn heat off. That's enough. But you know what? At those moments, the blacksmith has to watch that very carefully that he doesn't go beyond. Isn't that what God does in our life? In those times of crisis, God is the closest. He's watching. He's regulating heat. And we're begging for it to stop. And God's like, no, for your benefit. Because something's coming, something you know nothing about, something good is going to come out of this. That God will let the heat, and He's regulating the heat, not hot enough, turns it up, and you're begging for it to stop. God's like, not, not enough. Just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. All right, backs the heat down. And we're like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Of course you're okay, because God is with you every second. That's how God works in our life. That's how he worked with the Israelites. Which is why it was, I think, mind-blowing to God that he got them right to the promised land and then they ran off and like started following idols. He's like, you know, what? Wait, what are you doing? You're finally at that place that God has been working and then they just ran off. Okay, go towards the bottom now. Jump down to verse 32. We're going to wrap it up in this next section here. Ask now about the former days, long ago, before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. That goes back a long ways. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation, in other words, the Israelites out of Egypt, by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? What is he asking? Have you ever seen anything like this ever? And the answer would have been no. So why were they running away from God? Here's what God's going to tell us now. 
You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. If there's one thing that I would encourage you today to really take to heart, this would be it. This one little verse. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides Him, there is no other. How many religions are there around the world? You know what the common denominator between all of the religions in the world is? They're all trying to be good to gain some kind of like nirvana or heaven or special place when they die that if they're good enough that maybe they get to go there. One of the most fascinating things I ever did in my whole life is when I was in Korea, I took a class on Eastern religions and it was taught by an eclectic Buddhist. Meaning, you believe everything as a eclectic means you believe it all and you kind of put together your own religion and he taught us about all the eastern religions and it was fascinating there were three Christians myself and two other Sem students sitting in this class and we began to see the pattern in every religion every religion like if you're good enough maybe you get to go to this special place you know what the difference with Christianity is See, only, if you want to call it religion, that God came down, became man, lived among us, allowed sinful people to crucify him, and, uh, and then raised up three days later. God did for us what we could never do. No matter how good we are, we can never get to God. That's why God came down. I wonder how Moses would have changed this little section if it was after Jesus. I think he would have said, and what religion on earth is there so great that God would come down and become a man? Okay, we're almost done, because this is cool. you got to see this. Verse 36. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. See, that's normal for God to discipline. On earth, he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Did you catch that? God loved your grandparents and your parents and you so that you could be in a relationship with God. That's God's love for you. And let this next section just resonate, okay? Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. 
There is no other. There is no other besides the God that we serve. Keep his decrees and commands which I'm giving you today. Why? So that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. I I don't know what else to tell you. I would, I would encourage you to go back and read this. Reflect on it. Reflect on how much God loves you. Reflect on your crisis. Reflect on the times God's disciplined you. Reflect on the hard times in your life. God was just burning off in that iron smelting furnace of your life, burning off a lot of that junk so that the only thing left is God. And he wants us to hold on to him. There is no other. And his whole desire for us, he just said it, that it may go well with you. That's God's purpose and plan, that it would go well with you. But never outside of a relationship with God, but always with a relationship with Christ. That's God's greatest desire is that you walk with Him as He walks with you. All right, let's pray. Um, Lord, I I don't know how it was for the church, but for me, this is a little overwhelming of just sitting in Your presence to learn more about who You are, how You feel about us, how much You love us, how much You care about us. Thank you that you didn't leave us here, that you came down. You sent Jesus to come to this world to be with us so that we could have a relationship with you because on our own, we can't get to you, but with Jesus, you came to us. We're eternally grateful. And we want to say thank you that you led us into a relationship with you. And I pray that if there's somebody here today that doesn't have that relationship with you, that today would be the day that they reach out to you and say they want a relationship with you and that you would start the process of changing their life. Jesus, thank you. We just want to say thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.